We love school. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, what an awesome thing. What an awesome, awesome thing these four students have done just now. That they, 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 they could care less who knows about the fact that they decided to follow Jesus. So I pray for them right now, Lord. Pray for them that whether they're on their campus or in their family or hanging with friends, Lord, that they would always, always be passionate about you and want to live their life completely and absolutely for you, Jesus, because you're real and it's worth it. So, Lord, would you speak to us right now as we close out this evidence series? I pray it in the awesome name of Jesus. Amen. Check this out. True story. Y'all ready? Absolutely true story. One of the craziest things that's ever happened to me in my life happened this past week. You got to get this picture, okay? I'm at my house, chilling out. I'm cooking because real men cook for their families, right? And so, yeah, I was cooking. Tasted horrible, but I'm cooking. I'm giving it a shot. So I'm at the stove, right? So I'm standing at the stove, and I'm, I'm sitting here distracted by the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm frying something really unhealthy or whatever. Because basically all I know how to do is fry stuff. And so as I'm frying this food, okay, my two-year-old daughter, Annabelle, comes walking up to me, all right? I see her in my peripheral vision. So I'm cooking, and I see her walking over, all right? Well, Annabelle, I can tell, has her hand stuck out, right? She's got her hand stuck out reaching for me. And so I decide as I'm cooking, I better take whatever it is that she's trying to give me or whatever because she's my two-year-old kid and I love her, right? And so as I'm cooking, I'm like, hey, baby, what's up? Okay, good. Oh, you got some? Okay, darling, what is it? And she puts it in my hand. Totally true. And I'm, I'm thinking, this feels weird. <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's like squishy yet solid. <laughs> and I'm like, this is, I don't know that I've ever actually touched something quite like this before. And put it this way, I'm going to try not to be crass and disgusting because I don't really appreciate <laughs> toilet humor. No pun intended. But basically what was in my hand about three or four hours earlier had been her lunch and now had been digested. And my daughter decided, hey, I got to go. Got a hand here. Right? And she gives it to me and I'm staring at it while I'm cooking. And I did, at this moment, I do what any other strong, muscular, UFC fan, steak-eating man would have done. I scream like a woman. I, I'm telling you, like I scream. I said, Heather, get out of here. My daughter put poop in my hand. And she, she's like, what? I said, you won't believe this. And I, I went to the toilet and I, I scrubbed my hand for probably 15 minutes. But here's the thing, like seriously, this was a horrible Horrible experience, but you know what? Like later that night, I started to get depressed, and here's why I mean this. I started to get depressed because I was going, my baby is growing up, and at some point, my baby will, she will mature to the point where she no longer does that anymore. (laughs) I mean, she's not going to be walking around the house at 16 years old going, hey, dad, can you hold this for a second? (laughs) Right? I mean, it doesn't happen because here's what happens. Here's what happens, dude. It's a fact of life. That as you grow older and as you learn more truth, you mature, right? 
I mean, you mature, some of you. <laughs> some of you guys are having a harder time with that. But as you get older, as you grow up, as you learn more truths about life and about the world and about people, guess what, dude? You mature. And, and so here's the point. Here's the thing, man. You've got to realize that you won't always, you're not always going to be doing the things that you do today at 17, at 18, right? When you're 40, you probably won't be doing the same things that you do now when you're a teenager. You're probably not going to be hanging out at the mall all hours of the day when you're 40, unless you're some weird creeper who wants to be arrested, right? You, you're, I, mean, I mean, let's face it, dude. Honestly, I mean, when you think about it, dude, you're probably not going to be shopping at Abercrombie when you're 40, unless you're one of those weird 40-year-old guys who likes to look cool and wear extra small shirts, and it's gross because you see every wave in their body, right? You're, you're probably not going to have posters of boy bands in your bedroom when you're 40 unless you're a serial killer living with your parents, right? And so here's the point. Listen up. As you grow older, as you learn more truths, guess what? You mature. And my hope for you guys is that as we've been in this series evidence for the past month now, that you've matured. I mean, I don't, I don't know what you were like when you started coming here. And some of you, maybe this is your first night, and I'm just so pumped that you're here. But some of you have been here for the past four weeks. And, and hopefully, since you've been here for the past four weeks, those of you who have, or even those of you that have been here for a couple weeks, hearing the things that we've been talking about, I hope that kind of what you believe and what you thought you believed has changed over the past few weeks. Week one, we talked about this idea that there is a God, and there is evidence to point to the fact that there is a God, that people who believe in God aren't just a bunch of weird cult members who check their brain at the door and decide just to believe something completely irrational, that there is rational evidence that points to the fact that there is a God. Week two, we talked about that, the fact that there is evidence that points to the fact that this, this book really is the Word of God. It's not just some ancient document written by a bunch of Middle Eastern weird ancient guys. It really is the Word of God, and there's evidence to back that up. And if you missed it, I'm sorry, but get on our, the Points Facebook, and the talks are on there. And last week, we talked about the fact that there is evidence. There's evidence that points to the fact that Jesus Christ really is the Son of God. And tonight, we're going to real briefly cover, the, uh, cover what's probably the most uh, controversial miracle in all of the Bible. And it's the miracle of Jesus Christ rising from the dead. Crazy, sounds like a stretch, but there is evidence to point to the fact that Jesus Christ actually rose from the grave. And so real quick, let's get into this. Let's jump into this, and then we're going to spend some time doing something else in just a few minutes, okay? Here's what's interesting. How many of y'all ever seen a Newsweek magazine? Anybody? You've seen a Newsweek, not, not that you've read it. I don't expect 16-year-olds to read Newsweek unless you're a child prodigy. But you've seen a Newsweek magazine somewhere. Check this out. I still remember this. I've never forgotten this. In 1999, it was like March of 1999, Newsweek magazine came out with an edition. You know, as we were leading up to the year 2000, everybody was freaked out by Y2K, collecting canned goods and firearms, putting it in their basement, right? Everybody was really scared. Well, Newsweek did a cover story, and, and it was called, the cover story on the, on the front of the magazine was 2,000 Years of Jesus, 2,000 years of Jesus. And so what they did is they talked about the influence that Jesus Christ has had over 2,000 years, right? Very interesting. But here's the thing that tripped me out. In, in this article, they asked a bunch of Christians a bunch of questions, and they took statistics from what they said. And here's one of the questions, one of the questions that they asked Christians is this. They said, do you believe, do you believe that Jesus Christ 
rose from the dead. And remember, they're asking this to people who claim to be Christians. And it said in the article that 88% of Christians believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And you've got to understand, that to me at that point in my life and all the way up till today was one of the most insane statistics I have ever heard in my life. Because I'm going to tell you guys straight up, those of you just checking out the church and what Christianity is all about and who are these church people and what do they teach, I'm going to go ahead and go on record now and make sure that you understand this. If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, we may as well close down right now and like go see a movie at the IMAX theater. Because there's like no point in us being here right now. If he did not bodily rise from the dead, if Jesus Christ was not dead and on the third day came out of the tomb, there is no point to us even being here. We've been duped. We've been lied to. Christianity is a horrible hoax. And we need to go home and never go back to a church again. But if it's true that Jesus Christ really, seriously was dead... And on the third day was alive, resurrected, came out of the tomb. That fact alone should change the life of every single person in here. Because that is the most important event in human history. And students, I'm just telling you straight up, again, again, like I've done this whole series, not trying to argue with you, not trying to tell you what to believe, but boldly trying to present to you why I believe what I believe. I'm telling you right now, I'm just one weird guy in a Georgia shirt, go no Sean, one weird dude who actually believes and is completely convinced, listen, I'm completely convinced by the evidence that Jesus Christ really, really did rise from the dead. Here's how the Bible puts it. it. You guys hopefully have one of these in your chair. I want you to follow along with me this scripture. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to read this scripture, talk about it for a few minutes, and we're out. 1 Corinthians 15, check this out. Verse 3 through 8. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and here's what he writes about the resurrection. Very important, dude. This is vital. He says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried... That he was what? What's that word? Why don't you say it really loud so I can hear you. One more time. What was that word? So check this out. He goes, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time. Most of whom are still living. Though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Skip down to that next scripture. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And you are still in your sins. And then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. And he tells us why it's so important and it's so vital that the resurrection is the centerpiece of Christianity. It's not just one of those things that you can decide to believe if you want to and then call yourself a Christian. It's kind of like something that's not real important, kind of classified with a decision, you know, will I have a Bible with a red cover or will I have a Bible with a blue cover? Will I believe in the resurrection or will I not? It's not something like that. The resurrection is central to Christianity. In other words, if the resurrection did not really happen, Christianity is a huge lie. You say, dude, why do you believe in the resurrection? Why do you believe that Jesus Christ really rose from the dead? I'm going to give you some answers. First of all, this. 
the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you got to understand hundreds of years, about 700 years actually, before Jesus Christ was resurrected, was prophesied about in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah. In other words, it was written about way before it even happened. The second reason I absolutely believe the resurrection happened is this. Because Jesus Christ consistently throughout his life told the disciples he was going to die and then rise again. And just in case you have a pen handy and you want to look these up later, Matthew 16, 21, Matthew 17, 9, Matthew 17, 22, and 23, John 2, 18 through 22. Go back and listen to the talk on Facebook. But those scriptures right there talk about the fact that Jesus specifically said, I will die and I will rise again. And those are just a few examples. Another reason I believe it actually happened is this. Check this out. In this scripture, the Apostle Paul straight up and bluntly says this. He says that Jesus Christ, first of all, first of all, Jesus rose from the grave and he appeared to Peter. And then after he appeared to Peter, he appeared to 12, or the rest of the 12 disciples. And then after he appeared to the rest of the 12 disciples, he appeared to more than 500 dudes. And in this scripture, the Apostle Paul says, most of them are even still alive. In other words, go ask them if you don't believe me. And then he says, and after that, the, the, Jesus resurrected, appeared to his brother James. And after that, Jesus resurrected, even appeared to me. And so understand what Paul's saying. Paul's saying this. It's not just like a couple dudes that were like the town drunks, like came to people and said, I saw Jesus and the Care Bear in Hannah, Montana on a pterodactyl, right? That's not what happened. It's not just like these fringe people thought that they saw Jesus. You're talking literally hundreds of people who saw the resurrected Jesus. And Paul even says, if you don't believe me, go back and ask them because most of them are still alive when he wrote this. And then another reason I believe this is this. I believe the resurrection happened because this. You can't explain what happened in the lives of these people. You can't explain the lives that were changed after Jesus rose from the grave. In other words, this. When you read the Bible, you know one of the things you find? You find that the disciples were absolute cowards. And when Jesus Christ was arrested, they all ran away and they all scattered and they were all afraid for their lives. You find that Peter, the the disciple Peter, he cussed out a little girl because he was so passionate about denying the fact that he knew Jesus because he was so scared that he himself would be arrested and killed. That's That's how much of a coward he was. But here's what happened. After Jesus Christ rose from the grave, every single one of them shifted on a dime. And now they were more bold and more courageous than they had ever been. So much so that every single one of them, listen, every single one of them refused to deny the fact that Jesus rose from the grave and experienced horrible suffering. And the vast majority of them were killed. They were murdered because they refused to deny that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. So so here's the question we have to ask. Why in the world would they go through that much stuff and even lay down their very lives for what they knew to be a lie? Not only that, but you look at the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, you know what? Before he was a Christian, you know what his job was? To destroy churches and to arrest Christians and to be present when they were murdered and to cheer the murderers on. That's what his job was. And then after the resurrected Jesus appeared to Paul, he changed. And he became the greatest missionary this world has ever known, going everywhere he possibly could, telling people Jesus is real, he's the son of God, he lived, he died, and he rose again. And so you look at the life change, and then you look at people like Jesus' own family. 
who when you read the Bible, had a really, really, really hard time believing that Jesus was the Son of God. But after he rose from the dead, you have his own brothers and his own mom absolutely convinced that he is the Son of God. You have James who wrote a book of the New Testament and was the leader at the church of Jerusalem and who was thrown off the roof of the temple because he refused to deny that Jesus was the Son of God and that he lived, died, and rose again. You have his brother Jude who wrote the book of Jude in the New Testament. You have his own family worshiping him as God. And you go, why? Why that life change? Why that radical shift? There's no other explanation except the fact that Jesus Christ had rose from the grave. He'd been resurrected. And here's what's crazy about it. Before you think, well, yeah, but I think it was a big conspiracy, man. I think it's a big lie. And I think throughout their whole lives, they decided they were going to lie about the whole thing and stick to it and cause this big movement. And the question would be, why in the world would they do something like that? How in the world could that many people hold on to a lie so long when it didn't mean they made any money? It didn't mean they got any fame. Matter of fact, the opposite. They suffered and they died. And you know what else? The disciples towards the end of their lives, were all scattered. They were all scattered throughout the world. And so it's not like they had this liar support group to go back to every night to say, hey, dude, you still with the lie? Cool, me too. It's not like they had anything like that. They were all scattered, and even to, the ver- even to their last breath, told people, he lived, he died, he rose again. But here's what happens. A lot of people don't like this idea that Jesus rose from the grave because, let's face it, it's the most important, most crucial event in history if it's really true. And so a lot of people try to come up with theories to explain away the resurrection. But unfortunately for them, every single one of those theories that they have to explain away the resurrection, like, runs smack into a wall. And when you really think about it and look at it, it's absolutely foolish and makes no sense whatsoever. But I'll let you make up your own mind because we're about to talk about a couple of them right now. The first theory that's been brought up to explain the resurrection is this, called the swoon theory. Everybody say the swoon theory. This is kind of trippy, man. The swoon theory is this. It's the idea that when Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ kind of was crucified, that after he was crucified, and by the way, beaten before that, and by the way, you know, scourged and whipped on the back with those shards of glass, kind of you've seen the passion of the Christ before that, and then he was finally crucified on the cross. This is the idea that at the end of all that, he wasn't dead, he was just mostly dead. And this is a legitimate theory that people, they they said, Jesus was not dead, he was just kind of mostly dead, and because he was mostly dead, he fooled everybody. There's a lot of problems with this theory. Problem number one, you find no shred of evidence in Jewish history or Roman history that this was ever anything those people thought back then. Matter of fact, this didn't like become an actual theory that people talked about until like the 18th century. But here's the other thing. You got to understand something about the Romans back then. They weren't just guys who went around and every now and then killed somebody. They had professional executioners. That is all they did. Anybody ever seen the movie Spartacus? Remember like the hundreds of people on the side of the road nailed to a cross? That's what the Roman people did for us. Aren't they awesome, right? They they were used to killing people. That's all they did. They were professional murderers, professional executioners. And so here's the thing. You're saying that Jesus Christ fooled these professional executioners into thinking he was dead. The The only way Jesus could have done that is if he would have stopped breathing. And unfortunately, there's something crazy that happens when you stop breathing. You die. Okay? 
But, but let's think about this for a second. Okay, so you're telling me, you're telling me Jesus was arrested and then all night long he was beaten. All night long he's beaten by these Roman guards, okay? And then after that, he's taken and he's tied up and his back is scourged, which, by the way, most Roman prisoners never survived that part. Most of them never made it to crucifixion because when they had to go through something like that, most of them died right there. It was so horrible. And he loses all that flesh and he loses all that blood and then he's forced to carry his own cross up that steep hill and then he's crucified on the cross, raised into the air, He's, he's dying there. He's suffering. He's suffocating. And then the Bible says that when it looks like he's dead, to make sure that he's dead, they stick a spear into his side, and out of the hole comes water and blood, which medically means that it had ruptured his heart sack. By the way, that kills you. Like, if you're not dead then, you're pretty much gone after that. And, and, and so that comes out, and only that... The Romans, you know what they would do to somebody who was being crucified? In order to speed up the death process, they would break their legs. Because if they were hung on a cross, what they would do is they would be suffering and suffocating. They couldn't get air. And so they would push up with the nails in their feet to get a breath. And then they'd go back down. And again, they couldn't get air. And so what the Romans would do after a while is they would go and they would break the legs with a hammer to make sure he couldn't sit back up and he'd, he'd die pretty quick. But the Bible tells us they didn't do that to Jesus. Because after they found, yes, he's absolutely, completely dead, they didn't have to break his legs. He was already dead. But you're telling me, so after that, and after he's lost all that blood, who knows how many pints of blood, he's taken down from the cross, and according to Jewish custom, he's wrapped up in over 100 pounds of linen and spices before he is carried to a tomb, okay? So they put him, which by the way, he would have suffocated in that, but they stick him in the tomb, and he's in that tomb like for three days and for three nights. So he's, so he's in this tomb with no food and no water. Okay, let's think about this. And then at some point he pulls a Harry Houdini and he gets out of the deal even though he's been beaten and crucified and he's lost so much blood. He pulls his Harry Houdini and then he gets out. But oh no, he just remembered there's a stone in front of the door and it weighs one and a half tons or whatever shall I do? And so Jesus walks over to the one and a half ton stone which had been sealed by the Roman government, sealed shut. And he walks over to it and he decides, well, I guess I'll roll this open. And Jesus, with all of his wounds and all of his blood all over, somehow miraculously right and then after it's opened and none of the roman guards miraculously even heard it the roman guards who were guarding the tomb he pulls this stealth move jesus and he kind of tiptoes around him and he's like bleeding all over the place but who cares because he's escaping and he's making fun ha ha you're ooh, that hurt right and he's he gets by everybody everybody and not only that, apparently, according to the scriptures, just a couple of hours later, he ends up miles away on a road that led to the town of Emmaus, and he has a conversation with two people who were followers of his, and they didn't notice the fact that there was a big trail of blood behind him leading all the way to the tomb, and he has this conversation with them, and then over the next 40 days, Jesus appears to hundreds of people who don't notice the fact that he has unbelievably horrible wounds all over his body, he's still bleeding, he's passing out, he needs medical attention. Really? Really? Guys, understand something. When you think about the swoon theory long and hard enough, 
you realize that it can't even be true. Because not only the fact that it's, it would have been crazy to think about a wounded dying, just completely human and nothing more man getting out of that situation, but then hiding his pain from everybody. Like somehow they're interacting with him over 40 days and they can't tell that the dude's in more excruciating pain than a man at a Montana concert, right? It's like, dude, you understand, understand students, that theory makes no sense. And so people go, well, maybe the swoon theory was wrong. I got another theory, and it's this theory. I, I got the stolen body theory. I got the stolen body theory. This is the idea that the disciples became Japanese ninjas, and somehow with the Roman guards guarding the tomb, the sealed tomb, kind of pulled their little Japanese ninja stuff, little Jackie Chans, right? And they came down, and without the government, without the Roman guards seeing them, they moved the one and a half ton stone without anybody hearing it. So maybe they covered it in Crisco or butter so it wouldn't make any noise. And, and they get the thing out of the way and they steal the body. And then after they steal the body, for the rest of their lives, they are arrested and beaten and they're thrown in prison and they're made fun of and they're mocked. And eventually they die telling people that Jesus rose from the dead when they knew it was a lie. There's a couple huge problems with that. Number one, anybody guilty of stealing a body that the Roman government was guarding back in those days was arrested and the penalty was death. Interesting how they were never arrested. Interesting how they were never charged with the crime of stealing the body of Jesus because if they had, it would have happened like that. But also interesting that these men for the rest of their lives would have endured so much pain and so much persecution and so much suffering and ultimately death for what they knew was a die. Whether their heads were cut off or whether they were nailed, crucified on a cross upside down. And so when you think about the stolen body theory long enough, it, does, it defies possibility. It makes no sense whatsoever. Theory number three, the wrong tomb theory. This is the idea. It's simple enough. This is the idea that um, the Bible tells us the first person to discover that the body of Jesus wasn't in the tomb was Mary Magdalene. And she was trying to go to the tomb on the third day. And unfortunately, Mary, instead of taking a left, took a right. It happens. Some of you guys are like women drivers. Anyway, she takes a left. Instead of her, I'm, I said some of them. I would never. My wife's back there. She'll kill me. I, but they ended up at the wrong tomb. But what's insane about that is this. Then Mary Magdalene goes back and tells Peter and John. And they run to the tomb. And they, instead of taking a left, they take a right. And they're at the wrong tomb. And then next thing you know, everybody's going to the wrong tomb. And it's not that Jesus actually rose from the dead. It's that they went to the wrong tomb. And the only reason we're even preaching Jesus today is because she should have took a left. What was she thinking? doesn't make any sense. And here's why it doesn't make any sense. A lot of reasons it doesn't make any sense. Number one is this. The Jew... The, the Jewish religious leaders and ultimately the Romans couldn't stand the fact that Christianity was taken off. They hated it. And all they would have had to do was open up the right tomb, bring out the body of Jesus, show it to these people, and say, you stupid people, you should have had, you should have had one of those you know, compasses, or you should have had, what do you call it, GSP, GPS? I don't know, I'm an idiot. You should have had one of those. <laughs> oh, what is wrong with me? I need 
I need help. You should have had a GPS, and you should have made it to the right tomb. But here's why else it doesn't make sense. Here's why else. Listen, listen. It doesn't make sense, students, because check this out. You got a huge problem, and the problem is this. This wasn't just any other hole in a rock somewhere. This tomb belonged to a rich man, Joseph of Arimathea. One of the reasons that that's very important is in the Old Testament, the Bible prophesies hundreds of years before Jesus' birth and death that he would be buried in a rich man's tomb. Joseph of Arimathea, very, very rich man. He's the one who gave the tomb for Jesus to be buried in. It was his tomb. In other words, it was a high-profile tomb. Everybody would have known where Joseph of Arimathea's tomb was. And so it makes no sense that it would have been the wrong tomb at all. And all they would have had to do is present the body. So then people go, well, maybe the swoon theory is dumb. Maybe the stolen bodies theory doesn't work. Maybe the wrong tomb theory doesn't work. I got an idea. It's called the hallucination theory. And this is totally straight up. This is something that's been proposed by quote-unquote credible people. And what they say is the people were so distraught over the death of Jesus that they hallucinated that they were seeing Jesus. It's hallucination. You know, eating bad shrooms, smelling ancient glue, whatever they were doing. And, oh, Jesus, woo, and flying pigs, right? There's some problems with this. There's some, there's some problems with this. Students, the obvious problem, the obvious medical problem is this. There has never medically be, been any such thing as mass hallucination. Let me explain this concept to you. If right now one of you were, started to hallucinate, and let's say you saw a pink elephant with the cast from the hills riding on top of it, you're like, hey, there's, that's crazy. Guess what? Not everybody's going to see that. There's no such thing as mass hallucination. We're all not going to be going, hey, you're right. And I bet, man, she's like, what, what the deal? Oh, look at that pink outfit. Look at it. Not everybody's going to see that. And if they do, I will run out of here and freak out. And I will quit my job because this is a weird place, right? There's no such thing as mass hallucinations. Hallucinations happen with one person at a time seeing and experiencing one thing at a time. And so understand something, students. To say that this hallucination theory just defies possibility because remember that there were hundreds of people at one time who saw Jesus Christ, interacted with Jesus Christ. And then what happened is this. Up till recently, these were the four quote-unquote most credible theories about what really happened. And then in the past, like, few years, like really probably the past couple decades, Somebody came up with a fifth theory, the twin theory. The twin theory. I, I wish I made this up because it'd be a lot better. Um, the twin theory is pretty self-explanatory. The twin theory says this, Jesus had a twin. So you have Jesus and Roscoe. Jesus lives his life, his religious leaders, I am the son of God, yada, yada, flipping over tables in the temple, doing all that crazy stuff, walking on water. I'm not sure I did it, but he does all this crazy, crazy stuff, and then Jesus dies, and he'd worked out a deal with his twin. Hey, man, when I die, you're taking over. And so somehow, somehow Jesus' twin takes over three days after Jesus dies, but the crazy miracle about it all is this, that Jesus' own parents kept the twin hidden for 33 years, like in the basement or something, right? So this poor kid that nobody in the village knows about is like hidden somewhere. 
right? Shut up, kid. We're going to use you one day, right? And so, (laughs) seriously? Really? Here's the point, students. Listen. Here's the point, and then we're done with this part. The point is that you can can come up with all the theories that you want to, and you can go to the theories, these five theories that are the most prominent theories today, that people, the most people actually believe these things. Like, there are people who actually say, yeah, that's exactly what happened, despite the whole, because they are so bent on not believing that Jesus Christ actually rose from the grave. But students, I'm telling you straight up, I'm telling you, the evidence points to the fact that Jesus Christ really rose from the grave. And that is what makes Christianity different than every other major religion. Because Muhammad, dead, buried. You you, you can go to his tomb today. Buddha, same thing. Confucius, same thing. Jesus Christ, the tomb is vacant. He's risen. And the evidence all points there. Here's my question to y'all real quick. As we end this series, my question is this, just this. And I really challenge you to think about this stuff. Because some of you, even, even through these four weeks, have been going, bro, come on, man. I still don't believe you. But unfortunately, what you do believe isn't based on evidence. It's based on how you feel. And so my question for y'all to think about as we get ready to do something else is this. Question number one is, what do you believe about God? Really think about that. Like, what do you as a person, as an individual, believe about God? And then the second question is, is this. Is that based on evidence or is that just based on how you feel? Check this out. Read this last quote and then we're done. Put this last quote up, dude. It's an incredible quote by a guy named Thomas Arnold who's a professor at Oxford University. I've been used for many years to study the hist- histories of other times and to examine in a way the evidence of those who have written about them. And I know of no one fact in the history of mankind which is proved by better and fuller evidence of every sort to the understanding of a fair inquirer than the great sign which God hath given us that Christ died and rose again from the dead. Thomas Arnold, Oxford University. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that that tomb is empty. Thank you that you have risen. I pray as we get ready to talk about these things with some people, some friends of ours, You'd really spark our thinking in ways that it's never happened before. You'd take us deeper. You'd do something absolutely incredible with this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Y'all check this out real quick, real quick. Don't go anywhere. Five minutes till nine, we're going to move you guys back down here. We're going to give away a Nintendo Wii. It's going to be awesome. Told you guys a few weeks ago, we're doing that kind of stuff all throughout the fall. So you need to be around because you never know when you're going to be able to register and all that good stuff. Thank you. Um... Those of you who are not in a group, you've never been to a group before, I need you to do something completely different tonight. If you've never been to a group before,